0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Level Up, the esports and gaming show with me, Nathan Bliss, esports and gaming writer at Reach PLC. In this week's episode, I was joined by Zalonius, a professional FIFA player coach at AS Roma. We talked about the journey he went on to become a professional FIFA player, how his life changed when he signed for Footwiz in 2017, his career at AS Roma, how he transitioned into a coaching role, his thoughts on FIFA 20, how FIFA esports can be improved in general, and his plans for the future. Enjoy. this week's episode of level up i'm delighted to welcome nathan horton also known as zelonius onto the level up podcast uh, how are you doing zell
1: i'm doing very good today thank you nathan yourself good,
0: good. yeah very good thank you very good Let's just talk about your journey then into becoming a professional FIFA esports player. For those who don't know, Zelonius is a professional FIFA player slash coach for AS Roma esports. But I think I'm right in saying they're one of the kind of first major football clubs to get involved in esports, really. So just give me an idea of how you kind of got into the whole FIFA esports scene in general.
1: So we're in the fourth year of Foot Champs era. I think that's what a lot of people tend to Call the last few years of the eSport for FIFA and um, the first FIFA ever played was 2002 which back when that came out some of the current top pros wouldn't even have been born yet to be honest (laughs) yeah one of the older ones Um, so yeah I've been playing FIFA since 2002 I've always loved football but I didn't really play that much FIFA over the years it was more just a game I'd get in October play for a month or two, get a bit bored of it, and then leave it for the rest of the year. Um, I've always been a very competitive person. Any online video game I've played, I've always tried to rank quite highly on them, get really good at them. So when they introduced a proper ranked mode to FIFA on FIFA 17, it uh, piqued my interest, so to speak. Before that, one of the big issues, and I mean, still an issue on all my team, but... Is that it's very hard to get the best players on the game. And there was no real way, other than just spending money before 17, of actually getting a good team. So when in they introduced champs, um, competitive mode, where you could get good rewards for it, that got me a lot more interested. Because, oh, maybe if it's good, I'll actually be able to get a good team and use some of these good players. Uh, so at the start of 17, I thought, I also thought I was pretty good at FIFA. Whenever I played with my mates, who I thought were also pretty good, I would tend to be the best. But you don't know if that's just you thinking you're good and your mates and you aren't actually that good. So I was interested to test myself. And then when Champs launched on the game in the first month, I finished 71st in the world. So I was like, okay, I'm actually pretty decent at this game. (laughs) But at that point, um, I was a full-time teacher. I'm also married, still married. Um, And I was almost playing the game like five, six hours a, a day on top of my normal job for the first few weeks of the game coming out, which wasn't really sustainable. So I started to, I think I hit another top 100 uh, one month that year, but I, I wasn't as good for the rest of the year because I just wasn't playing as much. And then um, at the start of FIFA 18, um, I was about to go back to uni. So when I say I was a teacher, I was teaching in a private school And in the uk the way the system works is if you have a degree which um i do it's a history degree then you can do a one-year degree to go and become a fully qualified teacher so i was going back to university to do that so i could teach in state schools and i was talking to my wife about it and i was looking at fifa as an e-sport And I said to him, at this point, I think I was 24, I said, if I don't give it a try now, there's a chance that I might never give it a try. And I didn't want to look back in 10, 15, 20 years and think, I didn't want to be one of those people who said, oh, that could have been me. Maybe I was good enough. Um, And when we discussed it together, and luckily I've got a very supportive wife, we came up with a plan that we'd give it six months or so. And if I could make it, make an event, get signed to a team, and would stick with it. If I couldn't, then I would just go back to my normal job. Uh, the school that I'd been working at was pretty flexible, so they said I could come back for half a year. And the uni, that I'd had um, a degree, they let me defer it a year. So that all worked out. And then at the start of, I think, FIFA 18, I went full-time playing the game. Uh, my stream was a lot smaller back then. It was getting 20, 30 views, but it started to snowball a bit. And I went on what in FIFA is called as a road to Gloria, which is where you spend no money on the game whatsoever. And after about a month of playing the game, I was number one in the world for match earnings, which for anyone who plays the game, they'll realise is a lot of um, games to be playing. Because there's a lot of people play on my team, of course. So I was really grinding the game, playing a lot. I was starting to have a few top 100s, and then they properly announced the structure that it would be similar to 17, whereas when they'd expanded it, it was like in November, if you finished the top 64 in the world, then you would make the first what they call Champs Cup, which is Barcelona. Um, and going into the last week it was of November, it was pretty much done. I just needed I think a 35 to guarantee it. And I think the worst I'd hit all month was a 39. So I was pretty confident. I only ended up hitting a 36 actually that week. I think I was a bit nervous because I'd never made an event, but still managed to do it. Um, I remember Footwiz at the start of FIFA 18 had put um, a tweet out asking people to apply if they wanted to join. And I sent one saying, I've not really done a lot yet, but I hit top 100 a bit on the last FIFA uh stream um i'm actually going to be going full-time soon so i'd love to join you and then i don't think i got a response at the time but then when it came to um when i'd qualified for the event i was friends with um i don't know if you know um, Dubsey, who plays for leverkusen now used to play for footwiz um i messaged him because someone just left footwiz i said do you think there's any chance i could get in there maybe He said he'd have a word with um, thought was Dan, the manager. Um, And he said he thinks Dan's quite interested. So when I qualified for the event, I emailed Dan. Uh, And then within a day or two, we arranged a call. And about three or four days later, I was signed. It was a pretty quick process. But yeah, I guess that's um, how I got into the eSports, so to speak.
0: So just hearing that, I mean, back when you decided to make that decision, about you were going to stop being a teacher for a bit and give it a go to be a FIFA esports player. The scene wasn't nearly as big as it is now. So, I mean, that was quite a brave decision from you to put that all on hold and just think, I'm going to try and do it. Was there kind of, any kind of financial considerations there to think, would I be able to earn enough money as a pro? Or did you kind of hear from other people in the industry what was going go on within, within FIFA esports?
1: Yeah, so when um, I was making the decision, I guess I kind of was looking at it and you can never guarantee anything, but I could definitely see that the eSport was growing. Video games have always been a passion of mine, my biggest hobby ever since I was younger. Um, And as I was looking at it, I wasn't thinking that oh, if I become a pro, I'm going to become a millionaire in a year or something like that. But um, I guess I'm pretty lucky that my wife's job, she's a teacher. So that's a very stable career and income. So it was we looked at it, it was like absolute worst case scenario. If I'm only added a few hundred pounds a month from streaming, all that for a few months, then we'll still be able to make ends meet. So it's a, it was a risk. It was obviously a sacrifice to make. But like I said earlier, I didn't want to look back with regrets. And me and my wife agreed that it was worth me giving it a shot because, I I mean, I was obviously talented at the game if I could achieve these high ranks, but I didn't know if I was good enough to go pro necessarily. So we made the decision. Yes, at first, the financial side of it was, I don't want to say a burden, but it was quite a risk. Quite a few of my friends were saying to me, what on earth are you doing? You've got this degree coming up. That would be a very stable career. My parents, actually, they were really supportive of it. Um, it's quite funny because when I was doing my GCSE, so this is like, I'm 27 now, so this is like over 10 years ago, my dad used to um, have a right go at me because like I got pretty good GCSE results. About half of them were A's. I would like to consider myself fairly academically smart, but I wasn't the hardest worker at school. I say now that I was putting most of my training and resources into developing the uh, the career in esports, um, But my dad at the time would used to have a go at me for not revising, not working as hard as I should. If there's any kids watching this or listening to this, then yeah, you should revise and work hard at school. And my dad used to say to me, well, video games get you in 10 years. Uh, we laugh about that now. And my dad says he sticks to that advice. And he said, for most people that would be good advice, but we laugh now because <laughs> obviously it's paid off. It was quite a risk. And I think, I guess for a lot of people, these type of risks don't always pay off. But because of my wife's career, I was lucky that I was able to give it a go. And it wasn't one of these. It was like, I'm going to try for five years. It was like half a year, make or break. If I don't make it, then I go back to working at the school and then go back to uni the next year. So it was the type of age where I was like, I want to do it now, otherwise it'll never happen anyway. And then a lot of the people who watch my stream were very supportive and then, yeah, I got given a great opportunity by Footwiz, Dad at Footwiz. So yeah.
0: So when you signed for Footwiz, then how did your kind of life change?
1: So I think I remember it was like it was twenty of November, twenty seventeen. I still remember the day. So my viewership pretty much doubled on Twitch straight away, which was uh, pretty crazy. It was a start contract, so the money wasn't exactly amazing, but um, it was still helped. Uh, footwears and Dan in particular were very helpful, um, gave me lots of useful advice. Um, I think other pros in the scene gave me a little bit more respect, I guess, because I was actually signed out at this point. Uh, It was nice to have a team backing you and being there to help you. And I think one of the main things for me was it just felt more real. So one of the esports that um, I've always loved I got to an OK level in the game, nowhere near pro level, but I got to like Diamond 4 and League of Legends. I used to watch that eSport pretty much like the North American and European every single match in it pretty much for about two years. I remember me and my brother, who's a big fan of it as well, we'd always talk, say, oh, I imagine how cool it'd be to be an eSport player one day or something. And we talked like, oh, yeah, that'll never happen. Um, and it was kind of funny because I ended up... This year, moving to Roma Fnatic, and my gamer tag name, obviously, Zoloneus, when I um, was watching the League of Legends, like the pro scene, I was a big Fnatic fan, still am, and um, I ordered like one of their custom-made jackets and put Zelodius on the back of it. So I've still got that, so that was pretty cool to end up signing for them this season. But yeah, I don't think... Compared to the few months before I got signed, I thought it was my life changed that drastically. It was more just a nice moment
0: of recognition, I guess. Some people will be listening to this and wondering kind of what life is like as an esports player for that to be your job kind of day to day. Um, Just give us an idea of what your kind of what your job is day to day, what you do, uh, your kind of schedule, all that kind of stuff.
1: I wouldn't like, in terms of schedule, um, I've never been the best at sticking to, okay, I get up at this time, I do this, I do that, I stream from this time to that time. Uh, I definitely think that's beneficial, it helps. For the last half a year or so, I've been pretty much doing a YouTube video every single day. So I've got a lot more organised and scheduled with that. When the game comes out in particular, it's pretty manic at that point where. I'd say it's pretty much 10 to 12 hour day, seven days a week. So I don't really see my friends and family too much for the first month or two of a launch. In particular this year when I'm playing for Roma, I think I went down to London in the middle of September where the Fnatic HQ is. And from like the middle of September to pretty much Christmas day, because I only got home on Boxing Day, I think I was at home about three weeks in the first three months of the FIFA season. So that was pretty busy and intense. Before events, you pretty much practicing non-stop for a good week or two. We call it like boot camping. Uh, not all pros do it. I would recommend for any pros who want to make a living out of the game to do this, but make content, streaming, YouTube videos, things like that. I've always been a pretty prolific streamer. i probably stream somewhere on average in a normal month, somewhere between three to five hours a day. Try now. I've, it's a lesson I've learnt to have a day off because it's very easy to just burn yourself out and feel mentally quite drained if all you're doing streaming six, seven hours a day non-stop. But now I, I try to take. Um, I tend to take Mondays off as a, a day off just to chill out a bit more and go away from the stream, not play the game as much. That that doesn't count in the first month or two of the game because that's like you need to do as much as you can at that point. Yeah, during the lockdown. It, Particularly the last few months, it's been really crazy. So one of the things I do as well as I do private coaching, I've done that since probably start of twenty eighteen. That's got more popular over the last few years as I've become more well known. But I think during the lockdown it was because it was so busy and more people were at home, so it's a good chance to grow content. Uh, probably for about three months straight, was doing seventy hour weeks. So yeah, I think it's a lot busier than most people think but it's somewhat what you make of it like some pros like I say just don't do YouTube or Twitch they still play the game a lot but for me yeah I try and make as much of it as I can
0: so what was it like kind of transitioning from uh being an esports player to then being a coach for other people was it was it an easy (laughs) thing or did you have to kind of maybe look at some of your former matches and just see what you did wrong like what was the transition like between it a good football player isn't necessarily a good football coach. So it's 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 hard to seek kind on of the transition sometimes, but it, it's, I'm interested to hear how you did it.
1: Yeah, I think um, in FIFA, I'd say the same, that just because you're a good player doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a good coach. And there's some good coaches who, when I say they're not a good player, I don't mean they're not good at the game. It just means they're not necessarily pro level at the game. I think for me... Um, because I've been a teacher before, I think a lot of the skill set that uh, translates from teaching can move into the coaching. I've taught to quite a few people before, and then when I've said, oh, I used to teach, they're like, oh, yeah, I can see that. That makes sense. Uh, I ne- not necessarily coached pros quite as much before the official job at Roma. Um, I'd done private coaching for t- nearly two years at this point. So I'd kind of learnt from that, but it is different coaching, say a gold free player in foot champs to an event level pro player. Uh, my best friend in the scene is Jambu, who plays for West Ham. I had quite a lot of experience coaching him, mostly online, but a couple of events as well. And then, um, yeah, so this year we coached Spider Kong and Damien, who both were in line for Worlds. This year, they both had great years. But I think a lot of it is about trying to learn um, the person. So you can't, it's not like one size fits all. You can't coach each player in the exact same way. So I think the more you learn about the person, the easier it gets. Um, I think one thing that's helped me is that I've played at events. I play the game to a high level. So I know what it's like to feel under pressure at these events, how it is. I say to people even now on stream that I think I'm a better coach at the game than I'm a player. Um, I know that I've got a really high knowledge level of the game, so like I can understand pretty much all the assets of the game see what's going on. And in FIFA, the coaching's not so much like, okay, and at this point, you need to change to this tactic and do that. And that. Sometimes it can be, but a lot of it is just about mental side of the game. Like Damien, Spider-Con don't need to be told pass there, shoot like this. This is how you take a free kick. Do you know what I mean? They know all that side of the game. They know that. It's more just sometimes giving them another perspective that when they're so focused and tense on the game, they might not have seen that. And then also just doing a bit of research about their opponents and stuff to help them like that.
0: Yeah, and you talk about kind of the mentality and the mental side of it. Is that particularly important in FIFA 20 when the game can be a little frustrating at times.
1: To put a point out there first, I do prefer FIFA 20 to FIFA 19. I think FIFA 19 was potentially more fun to watch as an eSport because there was a lot more goals on it. But um, this FIFA in particular can be quite mentally draining because it can be quite boring at times. So like we even had it to the extent that recently um, my manager at Roma, Kojo, who's also... So Robert and Fnatic that I joined at the start of the year, they split um, earlier in the year, but we still worked together throughout the year. But Colin Johnson, Kojo, he's my manager at Roma. Friend and of the pod, Fnag. of course. Friend yeah, of the pod as well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's been on it before. He's a good guy, uh, Colin. Um, and he gave me a great opportunity this year, so I'll always be thankful to as well. But um, yeah, he ran the Fnatic UK Masters Tour recently. I don't know if you saw that one. But literally, the, the eSport this year, I don't think, I mean, it's even unfair to say it's just that boring to watch, majority of the time, that Fnatic felt the need to implement a whole rule set change just to try and make it a more entertaining watch. And credit to Colin Fnatic, the told it was a really good watch and it was a lot more exciting, the games. But yeah, I remember I, I laughed the other day. Did you see the, um, was it UNICEF Sport Aid or something? Soccer Aid, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, soccer, that was it. I was looking at all the scores. I was trying to find the Tex Oli score. It was nil-nil, of course. Yeah, so yeah. I, yeah. I, I saw that. I just laughed. Some of the other games were like 6-0, 7-2 and stuff like that. And when I, It's interesting when I coach people privately, I tend to find if they're elite or bare, they tell me Zell defending is way too easy. It's way too hard to break people down. And then when I coach gold two or below, they tend to be like, Zell, defending's way too hard, I can't defend. So it's like, once you get to a certain level on this game, on FIFA 20 in particular, it's just people just find it so hard to score because I feel like the defensive AI is so much stronger than the attacking AI, and there's not many effective ways of scoring. And obviously, when you take that to a pro level, and everyone's got the best teams in the game, especially at the events... It's really hard to score and break people down. It just becomes very boring. It's almost like just a war of attrition in the games and do you get a lucky goal and then just keep the ball? So, yeah, the eSport this year has been quite frustrating to watch at times. One of the games fond memories that I do have this year was um, uh, Bucharest, I think, second Champs Cup. Uh, Damien was playing Tuga in the last eight of that and this year was a good rule change by yeah, uh, they made it, if you get top four in an event, you make the next Champs Cup, which um, I think was cool, gives a bit of continuity and nice reward for doing well at tournaments. So we've played Tuga in the last day, and Tuga is a brilliant player. He's really good on FIFA 19. And I think this type of meta really suits Tuga, because Tuga's already like an insane defender, one of the best, if not the best defensive pro that probably is in FIFA. And we went 1-0 down to Tuga, um, from kickoff, no less, and I think as the game was going on, oh, I don't think Dammy would mind me saying this, but he was just getting more and more frustrated trying to break Tuga down, because is like a beast anyway. At the best times ever, mind when he's winning, and I think we've only like twenty minutes left to go in the second leg. We're still losing, and um, I think my main job in that situation was just to keep Dammy calm and just remind him he he's going to get that chance. I think I told him to go up to the three-five-two. Um, because I was like, you need two strikes, otherwise you're just not going to get a good chance against him here. I was like, you will get the chance. It's not like for the next 20 minutes you're not going to get anything. Just you need to be calm and take that chance. He got the chance, scored, and then in extra time, Dammy did some magical goal. I can still picture now that like not many people in the world would be able to do. And we ended up winning the game and that meant Dami qualified for the next Champs Cup in Atlanta and it's big to do that because you get a load of points for winning that match and doing well in that tournament but then you also get more points for the next Champs Cup but that was just a good example of one, how frustrating FIFA 20 can be but two, how important the mental side is
0: We had um, Enzo Ser on a few weeks ago, a coach at um, Tundra yeah. Esports. And uh, he was talking about that there is obviously uh, metas within the game and there are, there are easier ways to score. And if you kind of look to exploit that as much as possible, then you will get some success out of it. He also talked interestingly about how just to continue playing your own game, even though it's not maybe the meta, if you're good enough, you can still be a a pro at a very good level, even if you're not kind of abusing that meta, if you know what I mean? Um, how important is that to kind of stick with your play style?
1: So I think there's two sides to that. So on FIFA 19 in particular, you you could not play completely non-meta and be successful, I'd say. I mean, last year, the very best players in the world were the ones who really adapted to the meta. Like someone like Tex, for example, he's very good at adapting to the meta, but he is just that talented that does not really matter too much. Like you can just get by just by talent alone. Whereas on like on FIFA nineteen, I'm nowhere near one of these like top level pros. I did not really adapt to the meta that well and struggled throughout the year because of it. I ended up missing out on an event last year on a penalty shootout. And the playstyle I played that weekend wasn't remotely meta. So I was pretty close to making an event doing that. But yeah, I think it depends on the FIFA, but on 19 in particular, you really hindered yourself if you didn't stick to a meta. I don't think the meta is quite as big an issue this year. And I would agree with Enzo to some extent that you don't want to just completely change how you're playing just to like, I call that being a slave to the meta. Sometimes you can take away from yourself somewhat. So one of the big things earlier this FIFA was um, overload ball side. It was like just a quick tactic you can turn on. And I think it made some people a lot better at the game than they maybe should have been <laughs> because it does it does a lot of work for you and I don't really like that, but it's just, again, part of the game, adapting to it. And Damien always refused to play it because he just said he found it boring and Damien's quite an aggressive, in-your-face type of defender. And yeah, I think it can go two ways at times. I think it made Damie's defending not as good as it could have been, but then at times it made Damie better because people weren't used to playing against really aggressive defenders and it could catch people off guard. Um, but again, Damie would probably, in my opinion, no, definitely, in my opinion, would fall into the category of that good at the game and talented that he can almost surpass the mayor, so to speak. But um a lot of it as well as even if you don't want to use the mayor and you do want to play your own way, you can somewhat do that, but it's just at least understand the mayor so you know how to play against it because most people are going to use it.
0: Yeah, most people, um, in my experience anyway, I'm foot champs and stuff. It's uh, <laughs> it's. Uh, I mean, I'm nowhere, obviously nowhere near your level or pro level. Uh, I mean, gold three is pretty much my level, but um, you do see a lot of that, even in like yeah, the standard yeah, players like popular. me. It's yeah. not as big
1: an issue at events because at the events, the gameplay is really good. But one of the biggest issues that plagues FIFA at the moment online is I'm sure you've been a victim of it as well, the gameplay. The gameplay online is less than ideal at times. Um, And in bad gameplay on FIFA like I've said before on stream, on FIFA 19, I didn't like that game as much as 20, but at least there was ways of scoring in bad gameplay. Whereas on FIFA 20, if the gameplay is really good, like it is at events, you can break people down, even though it might be hard. Whereas if the gameplay is awful, which is a lot of the time at home, it's now impossible to break people down because of how good the AI is. And there's not really any... Crazy ways of scoring like there was on the previous FIFA.
0: Yeah, it's easy to kind of um, forget about that, isn't it, in a way? Because if you were to go on a console now and we were to launch kickoff mode and have a game against each other, that would feel amazing just a kickoff mode version of FIFA, FIFA 20, that would be so responsive and we'd probably enjoy the game much more. And then when you go on to the online side, obviously there's many reasons for it, but it feels like a completely different game because of the issues that are going on there. As a pro, do you have to practice online because there's almost no point in practicing off kickoff mode because it is like a different game?
1: Well, there's two parts. I mean, one kickoff mode... It's not very often you're actually with another pro to practice on it, so you can't practice against anyone other than the computer generally. But then, two, the ultimate team, literally has a different gameplay gameplay to it because of the chemistry styles, which boost players, and then I think, like say on FIFA, there's free gameplay set in slow, normal, and fast. I think kickoff and online seasons and pro clubs is set to normal, whereas ultimate teams set to fast. To be almost more arcadey so and if you was to try to practice that it if anything hurt you at the game because you're just playing a way different it's playing like a different sport it's like tennis to table tennis type of thing
0: there's been a lot of discussions as around fifa 20 especially i think it's because it's becoming more of a, a serious esport and it's it's growing every year that there's been a proper esports series within fifa i think there's a lot of people out there who just want it to be as good as it can be for obvious reasons because we yeah. want we want people to watch it, uh, to enjoy it. What, what would you do if you were in, in the EA Sports position? What, what would you do ahead of FIFA 21 to make FIFA 21 be the best version of FIFA eSports we've seen so far?
1: I'll probably come up with just a few ideas because there's a lot that I would come up with. Are we talking just about the eSport or about FIFA in general?
0: what are the four or five most important things that need to change?
1: I don't think they even know fully how to fix this, but first would be servers. I'm not going to go into great depth on that. Everyone knows what I mean by that, but yeah, that'd be a big one. Probably the next one, that'd be the biggest for the eSport, would be take away the pay-to-win aspect. Simple way of doing that would just give a loan. So you know like the loans that you get now don't count in friendly games. So if you get a loan, moments, Ronaldo and have one game on him, as long as you don't use it like an idiot in a normal game mode. If you can use him in friendlies for the rest of the year, give everyone who makes a qualifier, just they pick their team for the qualifier a few days before, and then they get a loan version of that card to use in that, but they can't use it online. That would make a big difference, so everyone has even teams going into the tournaments. I think FIFA 19 really showed how bad the pay to win can be at times where... We had Dylan Mike, who's an incredible player. I think he would have made Worlds again this year based on his current leaderboard position. But last year, he won an event. He won a major event and then only made like two or three other events because his team at home was shocking. Could you imagine Lewis Hamilton in F1? And F1 obviously is a bit of a pay-to-win sport in some ways, but can you imagine Lewis Hamilton in F1 being back of the... Pack when he's probably the most talented driver in F1 just because his car's not very good.
0: I was under the impression that at an actual event, are you still restricted
1: to the team that you've got? No, the events, everyone has unlocked accounts generally. Any EA-licensed event, you get an unlocked account. And by unlocked account, I mean, you can literally use any card that's on the game. Say if there was an event today, it'd be like you can use any card that's been released from a week ago for the rest of FIFA, At the events, it's fine. There's no issue at the events. I'm purely talking about the online at home, making the events. So to make most events, you have to actually qualify from them at home using your own ultimate team. Whereas if you're playing with a pretty average team compared to someone who's got moments at an R9, it's obviously going to be a little bit harder for you. So not at the events. The events themselves are fine. And the events this year, I'd say, yeah, did a really good job. But it was, I think until the season had been cancelled. And I agree with that decision from here, obviously with the globe situation. I think it'd been the best season yet in terms of how the events were running. they have been going really well. But yeah, that's just purely from the online aspect.
0: It does seem strange that when you get to an event, you can have any player you want, but then to actually qualify for an event, if you're a pro, you have to use a team that you've kind of paid for. It, that does seem very strange.
1: Yes, that's one of the big reasons that I want that change. So um said servers, pay to win. Uh, in general, I'm just going to be talking from Ultimate Team, to be honest, because there's lots of things I could say about the other modes, but Ultimate Team's the only one really that I touch for the most part. I would like to see, um, do you know, like the 5 aside side mode that they've got in the game, Volta. I'd like to see them put that basically into Ultimate Team. I feel like one of the big issues with FIFA at the moment is there's not enough game modes to play to enjoy during the week. So Rivals is a great mode to practice and play against people, but you don't want to be playing 12 hours a day throughout the year in that mode. It's just, especially with the way the game is, it's quite draining to play that. And casual players as well don't want to just sit and play that all day. So just put a few more fun modes into the game. So Volta is basically a cross between FIFA Street and normal FIFA, Put that into the ultimate team mode and have a little fun stuff you can do in that. Use your ultimate team in that. I think people would enjoy that a lot. I would like them to move champs rewards into rivals because currently the way the champs system works is that you can get disconnected one game and miss out on top 100 rewards. So during the team of the season, disconnects have been really bad. I think there was seven team of the season weekend leagues. I only got top 100 once. But in the other six weekends, those four weekends where if I had not got a DC that wasn't on my end, it was on EA's servers, then I would have got top 100. So that's pretty frustrating in itself. So just moving into rivals where a disconnect won't cost you everything.
0: Just to clarify for people who don't know what you mean by disconnect, you mean when you're drawing the game, you get disconnected. Everyone I had was when I was winning. And then you still got the loss even though you are winning?
1: Yeah, EA don't have a good system for the disconnect, so lose, draw or winning, if you disconnect, you get a loss. I'd like, at the very least, if they're not going to change the way the rewards and modes work, to put a rejoin feature in. So if you disconnect, then you're allowed to rejoin the game
0: if you're winning uh, or drawing a game on foot champs uh, and you you disconnect for whatever reason, you automatically get a defeat, even if you're if you're winning or drawing. So if you were just thinking about that in general, just off the top of your head, you'd say, oh, okay, if you disconnect if you're winning, that game doesn't count. That would be the fairest way to do it, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah, no one quits when they're winning. Yeah, if you're losing and disconnect, fair enough. I still think there should be a rejoin feature, but if you're losing then, yeah, it's not too bad, but every disconnect I've had during the last few months, and I don't think I've had one in two years at this point, so it's clearly an issue in the last few months, has been when I was winning, which makes it even more frustrating. So, yeah, that'd be one. And then I think the last one would just be gameplay-related, just make the defensive AI worse, make the attacking AI better and just speed the game up. And I think changing the AI in that type of way, because... It's not like a Rocket League game where it's purely manual or a COD, CSGO, League of Legends where it's pretty much all-user. FIFA, obviously, because it's a 1v1 esport with 11 players on either team, it's going to have a lot of AI involvement. But if you make the defensive AI really bad and the attacking AI better so it's a lot easier to score goals, it's going to increase the skill gap massively, which will be good for the e-sport. But then if you speed the game up and make it faster, I think it'll also be more fun for everyone because so there'll be more goals. You won't be having these games where you feel like you're stuck in the trenches trying to just get a goal against people. And anyone who watches a Twitch stream for FIFA is going to be a bit more of a hardcore player anyway. Maybe the casual user mess don't feel the same. But a lot of people that I know just say they're tired of the game this year and they just feel burnt out because it's just so draining to play 30 games of Weekend League with the way the current game plays.
0: For pros as well, some people, I mean, they play 30 games on Xbox and 30 games on PlayStation as well, don't they? So some of them yeah, do 60. For a month yeah, did it's you? Hard. Yeah, I don't think I've completed 30 games for five, six months. You just stop because it is draining. And I think a lot of people out there, like you say, say the same thing. So it's interesting to see what they're going to do with FIFA 21 because there's a lot of the same feedback isn't there really across the board there's a lot of people saying the same thing so it'll be interesting yeah, sure. to see what they take on board and what we've got in stage for FIFA 21 what to look forward to but you, I, I think um, I don't disagree with any points I think there's some really valid things and I'm sure uh, the people listening will be shouting into their uh, headset other other things as well let's just talk about the next kind of few months then into FIFA 21 so you Announced that you're kind of leaving Ice Roma uh, as player coach uh, in September, is it?
1: So, um, Roma are pretty much leaving the esport. Me, Dammy, and Spider have all announced our contracts are up, which they're all up in like September. So, I'm with Roma for the next few months and it's been a fantastic year. I've really enjoyed being with Roma, representing a major football club, and then being able to work with Fnatic as well. It's been really cool. But yeah, come September based at the start of it i'm a free agent so to speak
0: are you looking to get back into the pro scene or would you prefer to do coaching or what what do you think what are your kind of plans for the future
1: for me just being brutally honest like i'm not deluded for the last two years i've not been very good as a pro i've not made an ea major event i got very close on 19 and then this year um it's not even an excuse just i couldn't tried qualifying for quite a few of the events because the way they changed it this year, and I agree with the decision, but they made the qualifying two phases and you only start in phase two if you'd either made an event on FIFA 19 or made a knockout in a qualifying FIFA 20. And on FIFA 19, I was very close to an event on a few occasions, but just missed out. And on FIFA 20, I got somewhat close to one of the knockouts on one of the first qualifiers, but then I think I only got to play like two or three qualifiers and then when they changed this rule, I was at pretty much most events with either Spider or Damian. And um, when that happened, they were put in the phase one qualifiers during those. So I didn't even get to play most of the qualifiers this year, which uh, was a shame, but it's been a really good year coaching as well. I enjoyed that. But I'd, li- I'd like to still compete. Maybe I might not be good enough. I don't know, but I still believe that when I'm at my very best, I can make an event and be good. So I still would like... Pro contract, ideally, uh, like I said, though I think that I'd probably being realistic, I'm a better coach than player on the game. So I mean, for me, ideally, a player coach contract be someone I'd like. But then I'd also, if there was a right opportunity somewhere, a good project that I believed, and I'd be willing to move into management. I'm quite experienced within the scene now; I know it quite well. I've learned a lot from my last two managers in Kojo and Foot was Dan. So I feel that I'd be a good manager. So if there was a team looking for someone in that type of role, that would be something I'd be interested in as well. But it all depends on what the contract looked like, wherever it was, and if it was a project I believed in, people I wanted to work with. I'm I'm in a pretty good position now where my content makes me pretty self-sustainable, so I wouldn't just jump into anything for the sake of it. It'd have to be something that was right for me and my brand.
0: Is it difficult as well to think about what you're going to do in the future as well? Because obviously with FIFA 21 expected in October now, when you get your hands on it, I suppose you need to kind of see how competitive you are, don't you, on, on the new game and whatever the new meta yeah. is? Because if that really suits your playing style, then you might think, you know what, I'm going to go all out to be a pro this year. Uh, so it might completely change your plans.
1: Yeah, it'd be it's one of these that, who knows, like there's pros who... Been bad for a few years and they just suddenly become amazing again the next FIFA because it just suits them. Pros have been amazing and then they're bad the next FIFA. It's, that's one thing I'd actually like to see a bit of a change in the esport, a bit more continuity. And this is a, a very much, a, I can't see it ever happening, but something that I think would drastically improve the game instead of just making FIFA 20, FIFA 21, FIFA 22. Just make one version of FIFA, like League of Legends, CSGO games like that. that. They're just constantly being updated. Because one of the big issues currently with FIFA is they spend a few months working on the new title, release it, it's got loads of bugs, not properly been tested. The game changes drastically over the next few months and the Mets constantly changing because they're just constantly changing patches and fixing the broken stuff on the game. Every year there'll be a pro who's amazing at the start of the year because they've just figured all the broken stuff out. They'll make Worlds and then they're awful by the time it gets to Worlds because the broken stuff that made them good can't use anymore. So I think more continuity in the game would be good for the eSport in general. And it would also help big teams invest more because they know that they're not going to sign someone who's going to just be awful next year. An example, and this isn't me trying to throw him under the bus, he's someone I have a lot of respect for, he's an amazing player, but we have Stefano Pinner, who I think he made it really far again at Worlds on 19. And on 18, he was the runner-up. So brilliant, had one of the best careers in FIFA eSports. And this year, I think he was making playoffs, but he was struggling to make playoffs. He wouldn't have made Worlds this year, and there shouldn't be that drop, really. In most eSports, you don't really get that consistent a drop. There are some players, obviously, like Tex and Desari, who every year just seem amazing, but consistency in the eSport lacks a little bit at the moment. So, yeah, it could be that at the start of 21, it just suits me, and I'm a lot better again, but could go the other way, and it could be even worse you can't really ever tell with that.
0: That's a great point. I've never thought about it like that, because I mean, if you look at, if you think about how short an esports player's career is now generally, one or two bad years could put you off the map of all the big teams really. That's a great point. I think we've seen, like, obviously, the success of Fortnite as a kind of gaming model where it's a free game and then you you purchase uh, in-app, obviously, stuff there. It seems like FIFA kind of got the best of both worlds, doesn't it? Because you have to pay for the game as well as the in-game purchases as well. So it's a very good business model. I got a press release the other day and it said that FIFA 20 was the most... Popular ever in franchise history, so I mean it's still working for them. People are still buying the game. Obviously, the
1: digital makes over a billion in microtransactions. Yeah, just from Ultimate Team alone. I think EA might be the biggest gaming company in the world. You'd have to do the proper research, but there's no doubt they're one of them. And I think FIFA Ultimate Team alone. So this is before you take in just the copies that FIFA sells, and it's always within the top three. I think every year for sales, along with COD. Just Ultimate Team made up about a quarter of EA's revenue last year, I think. And that's just FIFA's, never mind when you add in all the Star Wars games, Sims and Battlefield, and they have loads of games, obviously. But yeah, it's crazy how big Ultimate Team and FIFA is.
0: And as long as that continues, as long as people, they keep, getting those results they're not going to change to a Fortnite model are they because they're going to lose money uh, exactly yeah. so um, we'll see what happens over the next few years with this but um, I think you make a very good point I think in the future I think they're going to have to do maybe a, like you say a free game but then it just kind of completely updates over time really with obviously the new players and the new kits and stuff I think it's doable so we'll just see kind of what happens over the next few years I suppose but uh, esports is a billion dollar industry um, already and it's 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 going to grow every single year. So uh, that includes FIFA, getting more kind of Twitch viewers every year and it's becoming more and more popular. So uh, let's hope it just gets bigger and bigger. It's exciting to see where it goes, really, because especially with the next-gen consoles as well coming later this year, that could also be a big moment for FIFA Esports because, obviously, you get the better performance, don't you, as well? So let's see what direction it goes. Are you Xbox or PlayStation?
1: So I've been Xbox for the last few FIFAs. It was something I heard Colin say recently on a podcast, actually. He said that he would recommend anyone choosing console now to move to ps I think for the next FIFA, I've not fully decided maybe they'll release some information that will change it, but I think I might move to PS just because the way it's looking, Sony have a partnership with EA and FIFA as an eSport. It just seems more and more, the way it's going, that we're just getting more and more exclusive tournaments for PlayStation, and I think it's probably going to be the platform to be on, and there might even be a chance where it goes single console-like. I think Call of Duty is just PlayStation. I think there's a chance that FIFA could be that in a few years. So I might jump ship next year to um, PlayStation, but no finalized decisions there.
0: That's interesting because uh, Tex is um Xbox player, isn't he? I remember in yeah. the Premier League last year, in the latter stages you played one round on Xbox and one play- round on PlayStation, and it was obviously much better on Xbox. So uh, that that might be an interesting thing to watch out for as well over the next few months where esports players go be interesting to see but, yeah uh, I think a lot
1: of that depends on what EA announces as well
0: yeah we've only seen a, a, a very very short glimpse haven't we in a very small gameplay trailer not a lot out there at the moment and we don't even know really what the frame rate's going to be what they can achieve in the next gen consoles and stuff so a lot's up in the air but uh one thing for sure, it's going to be an exciting few years seeing the new technology and, uh, yeah, and new players coming you know. through. Yeah, um, Hopefully the pay-to-win aspect of the game does change a bit because obviously you'll see the less pay-to-win it is, the more naturally gifted esports players you'll see within the game as well. So let's see what happens over the next few years. But I really appreciate your time. Zelonius, it's been great to chat with you it's really interesting to hear about your life as an esports player slash coach and how you got into it as well and uh, just like to say thank you for taking the time and um, I wish you all the best in the future and I'll definitely keep an eye on what you do and uh, maybe come September October time so we'll get you on again and we'll discuss the uh, the meta in FIFA 21 thanks a lot Zell really appreciate your time thanks for coming on well, thank you for having me Thank you for listening to the Level Up Podcast, and esports and gaming show. Make sure you've subscribed to the podcast and follow us on social media at Level Up Pod. We'll be back for another episode very soon.